Welcome to Hazel and Katniss and Harry and Star, a young adult literature podcast, their film and television adaptations, and everything in between. I'm Joe. And I'm Brenna. And our show is created on the traditional lands of the Haudenosaunee, the Huron-Wendat, and the Anishinaabe on lands connected to the Toronto Purchase Treaty 13 of 1805. And on the Tecumseh-Swetmuk territory within the unceded traditional lands of Swetmuk Ulu. And today we're doing a little bit of a homework update. We're talking a little bit about concrete rows. We're giving mm-hmm. a little bit of a forecast. It's a little bit of a grab bag episode, Joe. Yeah, it's not April Fools, but it is, you know, close to April 1st. So mm-hmm. uh, we figured, you know what, we haven't talked a little bit about what we've been reading or things that people should keep an eye out for in a while. So we're going to do this as a bit of a standalone. That sounds good. Yeah. All right. So Brenna, do you want to start us off with what you've been reading? Yes. Yes, I do. Joe. Yes, I do. We were going to do a whole episode on this book, and then we decided not to. So instead, I'm just going to gush about it by myself. And that okay. is that I read Concrete Rose by Angie Thomas. Mm-hmm. Yes, I had every intention of reading this. And then I was like, <laughs> I can't do this right now. I don't have time. Which is fair. Listeners will know Angie Thomas as the author of The Hate You Give, obviously. And we've also talked about On the Come Up on the show mm-hmm. before. I think we've talked about everything Angie Thomas has ever done. Pretty much, yes. And so Concrete Rose is her latest novel. It came out just this past January. It's definitely, I think, a more complex read. And uh, darker is too strong a word, but definitely heavier than The Hate You Give. It's a prequel, which I don't right. know if everybody realized when she so. started to talk about it publicly. Um, so it's a prequel, and it tells the story of Mav, Maverick Carter, um, who is the dad in The Hate You Give. Mm-hmm. Star's father, a.k.a. our namesake, show namesake Star. And in fact, Star being born, <laughs> Star's arrival on the scene is sort of the major, I don't know, pivot point of the novel. So right. Mav is really kind of stuck. All the ways in which he pushes Star in The Hate You Give to make good choices, he doesn't really have anybody in his life who is doing that for him. He has a best friend But through a series of incidents, he loses his best friend Mm -hmm. and his dad's in prison and his mom is so wildly overworked. There's an interesting and surprising queer plotline that appears about midway through the text that I thought was really well done. Yeah. Um, Overall, I think it's a really good read. I think Mav is very well fleshed out as a character. In retrospect, I kind of want to go back now and read The Hate You Give because I think it would make Mav more interesting in that book in retrospect. Right. I think this was an ambitious project for Angie Thomas to undertake. You know, she's really known for these girl protagonists who are kind of standing up against a system that ultimately, it's not that the system doesn't really want them to succeed. It's just that it literally doesn't see them. And so Mm -hmm. I think she's doing something really interesting here in instead looking at a black male experience, a character like Mav who is you know, in many ways has already been doomed by society or is assumed to be doomed um, and still infusing it with a lot of hope. And the narrative itself is really engaging and fairly fast paced. So I recommend it. I think, Joe, you got into it and you were just like, not for me, not right now. Yeah, it it was less not right now than not for me. The book is written, I don't even know how to describe it. It's 
written in the way that people speak. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that sounds stupid, doesn't it? <laughs> I know. I don't know mean. how to describe it. It's it's written almost like it's in a kind of slang. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very vernacular book. Yes, it's Mav's vocalization. So. Mm-hmm. We hear the world through Mav's vocalization, and he's not nearly as sort of carefully articulate as Star, for example. Yes, and I appreciate that, but I've never liked that. And this is going to sound incredibly dismissive. It reminded me of when I tried to read the Sookie Stackhouse novels, which is what the True Blood TV series is based off of, and all of the characters are written in a kind of Louisiana slang. Right. And I really don't like that. I can take it when it's oral dialogue, like when people Mm -hmm. are speaking, Mm -hmm. but I don't want to read that all the time. So I had a lot of difficulty getting into Concrete Rose. I was really taken with the story, Mm -hmm. but the language with which Angie Thomas was writing it in, I was just like, I appreciate what she's doing. Like, I understand exactly why she's written it this way. But I could not get into it. Like, my brain was just like, no, this is not, no. <laughs> I wonder if this is one that you could do as an audiobook and, and really enjoy. I wonder, yeah. I was reading it and my mind was correcting it to, like, proper grammar and removing the slang. And I found right. it a little bit exhausting. So I do wonder if you're right. Yeah, because I am fascinated by the story. And I love the fact that she's taking these chances. But the prose was a big challenge for me. Yeah, I can see that. I have heard really good things about the audiobook. I can't for the life of me remember who the narrator is right now, but I've heard that it's really well done. I think what is remarkable about this book to me is, well, exactly what you just said, that Angie Thomas is taking some pretty significant risks. You know, she's in a position right now in the YA sphere where she could basically she, she could, could write fold whatever it she in. wants. Yeah. Like she you know what I yeah. mean though? She could phone it in for the next like twenty years. She could yeah. just write She's got a lot of goodwill. She could coast yeah. on that and deliver some pretty safe projects and people would gobble it up because she's Angie Thomas. Yeah, and instead she really is taking on a new challenge with the way she approaches Mav's character here. And I, I just think honestly, I wish more of the big superstar YA folks would do that. Hmm. Yeah. I think one of the big differences between Angie Thomas and the other YA authors that we're reading is that she doesn't do quote-unquote traditional realist stories, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. These aren't love stories, or not in the traditional boy-meets-girl, girl-meets-girl, boy-meets-boy kind of way Mm -hmm. that we've read. Like, Mm -hmm. these are class critiques with a romantic undercurrent, but there's a lot of social activism and all these other, I think, far more pressing but also daunting elements. I would like to see other authors escape from the kind of romantic YA realist tradition that they have found themselves in, because I really don't think other people are doing it. And it's a little disappointing. Well, what's interesting about this one, too, is that because you know that Mav and Star's mom are going to end up together, mm-hmm. but you know that that relationship is going to be complicated by the fact of seven, Right. the love triangle-ish has very low stakes here, because... Mm-hmm. You know how it resolves. And so as a result, Angie Thomas is free to spend a lot more time exploring the importance of Mav's male friendships, of his relationship with his father, of his changing relationship with his mother. Like Mm -hmm. those relationships are allowed to be primary because the romantic relationship has basically gotten out of the way. And thank God, honestly, (laughs) it's refreshing. 
Yeah, I mean, we love a good romance, but also mm-hmm. we acknowledge that it's nice when people do something different. Yes, totally. Okay, so Concrete Rose, you're endorsing it and saying folks should go check it out. Yeah, and I want you to listen to the audiobook sometime, you know, in all your infinite time. <laughs> right, yeah, all that free time I've got. <laughs> okay, now you have other things that you want to talk about that you've been reading. I kind of want to thank you, actually. So uh, when we did ooh, A Tree Grows in Brooklyn, that's the mm-hmm. book I'm thinking of, I couldn't okay. find it anywhere. Our library copy had gone for a walk, and like, I used to own a copy, but for the life of me, can I find it in this house? No, I cannot. I must no, have given it away. Not. Yeah, probably. So... I signed up for a trial for Scribed because they had it. And I was like, whatever, I'll do the one month free. I'll read the book and then I'll cancel it. Sure. Pandemic brain being what it is, obviously, I did not, in fact, cancel it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I keep noticing that I haven't canceled it like the day after the cancellation. Uh, and I know, the worst. put it in your calendar. Right. I'm clearly not going to do that. <laughs> So I've been every month trying to like find things on Scribe to read that would justify the fact that I had, you know, spent another whatever, twelve ninety five on it. Sure. And the exciting thing I discovered is the entire rest of the Giant Days series yes. to its conclusion was available unscribed. And Joe, I always think of you when I read Giant Days because you once described it as like just this cozy hug of a comic book series, something mm-hmm. that you lean on when you're feeling oh, like yes. not so great about the universe. Yep. And that's totally what it was for me to sink back into this world. Giant Days is done now. We've talked about it on the show before. I'm not going to belabor the point. But what I will just say is that it's finished. You could probably order them all in from your library. Mm -hmm. Scribe is not, in fact, sponsoring this show, but you can (laughs) get them all on there. Subscribe. Contact us. We're available for endorsements, (laughs) endorsement deals. (laughs) Or at least just refund me for these three months. Wow. Okay. (laughs) And uh, I do. I just strongly recommend this is the kind of time, you know, February sucks february and a pandemic sucks a lot go get you some giant days read the whole series and just really feel pleasure for mm-hmm. a few hours yeah yeah yep. absolutely okay well i have been watching something not as refreshing and gentle and fun <laughs> and helpful <laughs> So uh, I think the last time we did a homework update, I was talking about how Brian and I watched oh, Ragnarok. Yeah. yeah. And I can say that series is definitely delivering. It's a strong endorsement. Again, it's not really pushing the boundaries of anything new, but it has been a big surprise. So I will say if folks were kind of sitting on the fence, because I know I only talked about that first episode, the rest of the series has been good. It's interesting. It's weird. So Ooh. I've been liking that. Nice. And then I've also been watching Winks, the the fairy show that Netflix had dropped, I think, at the end of January or into early February. Pardon? I have not heard anything about this. Okay, so this is a <laughs> YA magic show. It's okay. about a girl named Bloom who discovers that she is actually a fairy. So she goes to a fairy academy, which is hidden from the human world. Okay. And fairies are designated with like earth power, or sorry, not earth powers, elemental powers. Oh, wow. So you might be like a person like Tara, her roommate, who is good with plants and herbology. Bloom herself discovers that she is actually very powerful with fire. She learned this the hard way by inadvertently giving her stepmother third degree burns to all of her body, except of course on the show with its limited production value, it doesn't 
affect any of her face or bare arms, which are the only parts <laughs> that she shows. <laughs> it's actually an adaptation, so if we ever wanted to cover it one day, we could, because okay. it started as a webtoon, and I've gathered oh. from reading internet comments that it's a pretty crap adaptation. Oh. They change the racial background of the person of color lead protagonist in the webtoon so that we can get this hot white girl playing Bloom in the show. Oh. And the show is also very fat phobic. So Tara, the girl that I mentioned, her entire story arc is about how she's too fat to be dated by any of the boys. Oh, wow. Yeah, so those were the two big issues that people took. And I'm not going to pretend that they're not issues. But as a show, it's very kind of simple and easy to get into like there's mm. a bunch of magic there's a conflict there's secrets at the school about you know blooms who are her family and where did they go and the headmistress is keeping secrets and there's a shadowy figure in the cellar and all of that kind of good nonsense that if you're looking for a very rote very safe fantasy show winks will give it to you doesn't yeah. sound bad. It's not terrible. I've gathered that if you don't know the webtoon, then you can go into it and be like, oh, I wish I hadn't made some of these decisions, but mostly it's fine. And mm. folks who really like the webtoon have been very disappointed by it. That's interesting. We should probably think about covering it because as you mentioned before the show started, we get a lot of requests for fantasy and we don't deliver on it very often. Mostly because I'm a big grump. <laughs> <laughs> it's not your favorite. This is true. It's not my favorite. I'm actually a little bit more excited about a show that we could consider that's coming out next month in April. So there's an adaptation of Shadow and Bone, which is coming to Netflix on April 23rd. And that is, I think, proper fantasies. Oh. It's an adaptation of Lee Bardugas Grisha verse novels. And the general logline is Sinister forces plot against a young soldier when she reveals a magical power that might unite her world. Huh. I think the scope of this one is a little bit bigger, and there's almost like a war element, which I think could be interesting considering that it's a female protagonist. Like, mm -hmm. it's not just, oh, she's got powers. It's like she's serving in this larger conflict. So I've gathered that people are quite excited for this one, and that is a series as well. You know what my problem is with fantasy, Joe? Uh-oh. Here we go. <laughs> and it's what bugs me about fantasy is what people who love fantasy love about fantasy. The world building? It's just never just one book. It's always like oh, yeah. a whole thing. And I, my ability to commit to anything is pretty <laughs> non-existent. But like my desire to commit to learning like an entire universe and all of its rules. Mm -hmm. Eh. Eh. And especially when they get into like, here's how the world is governed. I'm always like, oh, wow, absolutely not. <laughs> See, I find this funny because you like political elements in yes. the books that we've covered. And yes. you didn't have an issue with things like to all the boys and covering three books in that franchise. No. So I'm kind of <laughs> calling gentle BS on you, Brenna. Oh, I think part so of it is just that you haven't been challenged to do so. Oh, that, that, I hate that because that means you're going to do it. I oh, just, for sure. I always yeah. think about like, I used to teach The Hobbit and it was right. just like four class days of just walking, just mm -hmm. walking places. I just, man, can you find me a fantasy with very little walking? <laughs> you know what? I'm willing to bet that we can. 
<laughs> that will be our challenge. Listeners, keep an ear out for this. We will we will endeavor to broach <laughs> this disdain that Brenna irrationally has for fantasy. <laughs> Please. I would appreciate it. <laughs> but on point, lady. Ah, all right. You <laughs> okay. have some forecast you want to share with us, mister? I did, yeah. So... Part of this is that Brenna and I like to keep an eye out on books that are coming up. So I have picked two, and I'm going to read one. Brenna, you're going to read the other one. Okay. They're both already out as of the release of this episode. So the first one is called Once Upon a Quinceañera by Monica Gomez-Hira. It is such a good title. Yeah, that's one of the reasons it attracted my attention. Yeah. <laughs> so this is in Own Voices, and... It is about Carmen Aguirre just wants to make her happily ever after come true. Except apparently, happily ever after for Carmen involves being stuck in an unpaid summer internship. All she has to do is perform in a ball gown during the summer in Miami. So fine. Except that Carmen's company is hired for her spoiled cousin Ariana's over-the-top quinceanera. And, of course, her new dance partner at work is none other than Moro Reyes, Carmen's most deeply regrettable ex. If Carmen is going to move into the future she wants, she needs to leave the past behind. And if she can manage dancing in the blistering heat, fending off Moro's texts, and stopping Ariana from ruining her own quinceanera, Carmen might just get that happily ever after, after all. Aww, that sounds like such a good companion book to... The Tea and Tomorrow one that I read over Mm -hmm. Christmas. Yeah. Even though we were coming down maybe a little bit hard on some books that are playing it safer in the realist YA tradition, I do like that we're starting to see more of these diverse angles on it. So Mm -hmm. like, this isn't just, oh, this girl is stuck in Brooklyn for the summer and she meets this boy and they have to hit it off. You know, it's the same kind of feel-good plot that we're used to, but it's got... A different kind of perspective it's coming from authors who maybe haven't had the opportunity to explore some of the more specific elements of their heritage so like is a quinceanera different than a party to your average white reader probably not but i have a feeling that there's going to be something in this book that is going to help to distinguish it from all of the other oh girl has to do something she doesn't want and she learns a lesson from it well i think we come down hard on stuff we see all the time because like Oh my god, we read a lot of YA. <laughs> I mean, we do, yeah. I don't think when we started the show, I fully realized how much my reading would just be completely taken over by YA. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But as a result, we don't like seeing the same thing over and over again. However, mm-hmm. sometimes just getting to see it from someone else's perspective is more than enough of a change to freshen up a whole sort of trope. Yes. And I feel like publishing is taking a long time to catch up to that. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so why don't you read the other pick? Because this one is quite different from anything else that we've read. Yeah, and I'm going to give a little bit of a content warning, Joe, just for self-harm, in case anybody, for them, that's something they would prefer not to think about right now. Right. So this is Bruised by Tanya Botehu, and she's a lesbian indigenous author, which, like, we've been told by listeners that we don't have enough indigenous literature on the show which is true Mm -hmm. and we've been told by listeners that we don't have enough lesbian literature on the show which is also true Mm -hmm. so here's a good one to go and support (laughs) yeah to daya a bruise is a mixture of comfort and control since her parents died in an accident she survived bruises have become a way for her to keep her pain on the surface of her skin so she doesn't need to deal with the ache deep in her heart 
So when chance and circumstance bring her to a roller derby bout, Daya is hooked. Yes, the rules are confusing, and the sport seems to require the kind of teamwork and human interaction that Daya generally avoids. Oh my god, me too, sister. Um, The opportunities to bruise are countless, and Daya realizes that if she's going to keep her emotional pain at bay, she'll need all the opportunities she can get. The deeper Daya immerses herself into the world of roller derby, though, the more she realizes that it's not the simple physical pain fest she was hoping for. Her rough-and-tumble teammates and their fans push the limits in ways she never imagined, bringing Daya to big truths about love, loss, strength, and healing. Yeah. So that sounds really good. Right? (laughs) Yes. This sounds secretly or maybe not so secretly quite heavy Mm -hmm. but i also love the idea that it's a story about roller derbies and friendship and you know in some ways that's very familiar like this Mm -hmm. idea of a, a girl joining a team sport and making friends and realizing that there were things there that she couldn't do by herself but then there's also this overwhelming sadness infused Mm -hmm. into that and like how physical and emotional pain can correspond like it 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 just sounds meaty yes i agree it sounds complex and interesting and also i just love that there's clearly an arc for this character Mm -hmm. i feel like we've read so many books lately where it's like was there growth did growth happen i was listening (laughs) back to our our episode on the the playlist of noise noise farmer (laughs) playlist whatever the hell that thing was called and yes and it just like I really want YA that talks about identity and coming to terms with yourself and growth. And I feel like so often that gets like shelved into like the last five pages or the last 15 minutes of a movie. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited to see a book that is really clearly very much all about overcoming healing from trauma. Yeah, yeah I think this looks really good. Yeah. Yeah. So once again, that is Bruised, and it is out on March 23rd. Nice. Yeah. All right, Joe. So what are we talking about next week? We're definitely falling a little bit off schedule, and we're still thinking at some point we're going to get to the Vampire Diaries, but it's not going to happen next week. So we're going to hit pause, and we're going to look at the Billie Eilish documentary that came out on Apple TV called The World's A Little Blurry. So that's a bit of an off-kilter pick, but I'm looking forward to checking it out. And in the meantime, we are still interested in collecting your responses to Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret. So Book Club is still coming. We're just uh, giving a little bit more time for the Judy Bloomness of it. And I think it's going to be worth the wait. Yeah, me too. And I just think, you know, Judy Bloom is the kind of author who it's worth us. <laughs> Like dedicating some space to, right? Her body of work is so huge. And seeing the change in her career between an early book like Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, I think will be really interesting. So yeah, I'm Mm. stoked for it. Yeah, yeah, me too. Cool. So if you want to get in touch with us about any of the recommendations we talked about today, you want to tell Joe that the audiobook for Concrete Rose is really good and he should listen to it. <laughs> yeah, you want to tell Brenna all about YA fantasy that she should be reading uh... because it's great and features zero walking. <laughs> yeah, please recommend me books with no walking. I don't walk <laughs> in real life. Like I want to read about walking. <laughs> You can find us on Twitter at HKHSPod or on the hashtag HKHSPod. If you've got anything longer for us, there's always the email, HKHSPod at gmail.com. Joe, if they want to find just you on the Twitters, where do they go? It's at B, Stone My Remote, and that's the letter B. And I'm at Brenna C. Gray. That's Gray with an A. 
And uh, yeah, so get your Judy Bloom brain back into service. Wow, that <laughs> sentence started badly and got worse, Joe. I liked it. I liked it a lot. <laughs> and until next time, I'll see you on the page. And I will see you on the screen. <laughs> <laughs>